Are you a hairdresser or barber? Do you want to take your career to the next level but unsure how? Then this is the podcast for you. Hello and welcome to The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. I'm your host, Crystal Wilson. I've worked in the hair and beauty industry for the last 10 years, working my way up through some of the largest salons from each corner of the globe. Throughout my career, I've always been infatuated with the industry influencers, the people who have been able to make a name for themselves and have a flourishing career as a hairstylist. On this podcast, I'll be sitting down and talking to hair and beauty professionals who have taken their career to the next level. The ones who have gone from working behind the chair to exploring another avenue within the industry. From the platform artists, educators, business owners, TV and celebrity stylists, published, self-employed, brand-sponsored, and more, I'm sitting down and asking them how they've done it. I know these accolades can seem unattainable, so I'm making it my mission to break down the barriers, stereotypes, and simplify the process to make the dreams that you have more attainable. Join me every week on The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. All right, guys, I know I say this every week, but this is a bloody good one. I have been dying to talk to Carol Smith who is somebody I've had the pleasure again of working with. I feel so privileged. All these episodes I get to start saying, somebody I've had the privilege of working with, but it's so true. Carol has been in the industry for 42 years, which blew my mind and still going, still working and still loving it. And so we talk about how her passion is still there and that you know, if you don't love this, it's sometimes not worth it. I think anything, you know, if you don't love it, isn't worth it. But Carol has been doing hair for 42 years. So she started in England and she has worked at some incredible salons and international salons and worked her way up as an educator. She was able to move to Hong Kong and educate. And she was like a little rock star on tour. And we talk about that. I'm like, I just, when I started at the salon, in Canada, I didn't realize, and maybe I was like naive, or I don't know, or maybe she wasn't as immersed in it as when I entered. So I didn't realize that she'd done all this stuff, but you know, she's won Naha, two Naha awards, yeah, taught in Hong Kong, moved to Canada and has worked at a massive salon there. And she actually now works as well for the Canadian opera. So she does theater, as she says, theater hair. So theater hair. And she's worked there for 25 years doing wigs and everything. She gets into makeup. She's been in magazines. Like what hasn't she done? And you would never know that she is this massive deal and icon. And she is so modest and humble and she now goes and speaks on top of everything she does. She still works in the salon, still works at the opera, but she also goes and speaks at high schools for career day. And this is something that really hit me in the heart. and is giving me goosebumps now. I don't know if you can see if you're watching on YouTube, but it is so important that I really can't stress enough. And I keep saying in these interviews that, what I want to do is break down the barrier that being a hairdresser is not enough or you're just a hairdresser because it is. And there is so much that you can do. And someone like Carol is just so important in the world. Anyway, she's an absolute 
just delight to talk to and work with. And she's the person who comes to work and everyone's like, Carol's here today. Like it's a good day because Carol's in like, she's just the best. But to have someone like her be going in to talk to students who maybe ha have, you know, been pushed to be a lawyer or work in an office or have this typical job because hairdressing isn't successful is so false and having someone like her actually doing that that's not even almost a thought that i've thought of that it's so important so she organizes for um artistic careers so whether you're a musician or you do lighting on a sh on a production or makeup or wig making she has organized this to have these groups of people come in for career day and open these students eyes to what the potential is and that there's a whole another world of careers that isn't these nine to fives or these you know classic suit jobs that it's not essential and i just i'm so thankful for her and i feel like her message is so aligned with what i'm trying to do and i couldn't wait to have her on so this is so good we have a laugh shout out to shelly <laughs> you'll see as you get in but it was seriously amazing i was waiting all week because we've had to coordinate from canada and australia and she's a busy busy lady so we had to i had to wait a bit to get her on but it is so worth it and i'm so grateful to have her in my corner cheering for me and she's so supportive of everything that i do and i'm so grateful to know her so dive into this one guys it's really good carol smith Okay, today's episode, I am so excited, as I say every week, but this week I really am excited. You made it this week. <laughs> this week is probably the most true one, you know? I felt like I couldn't sleep last night. I was like just excited to, one, just sit down and talk. So I am talking to my friend Carol Smith today, and what I just love about this is like, one, it's just an excuse to talk to my friends who I haven't talked to and learn all this stuff about their career, but... Carol is so experienced and worked at the salon that I grew up in. So with, yeah, Carol, here we go. Hello. Hello. Yeah, I mean, I started hairdressing in England a long time ago and I feel really, really privileged because it's been 42 years. Like when I was trying to work out how long I've been hairdressing, it's 42 years oh. and I still love it and I still feel it's a privilege to earn a living doing what I love. So I love sharing it. I do a lot of careers talks with kids because I think it's really important to share the love that we have for our industry and that we can earn a really great living and yeah. do lots of diverse things. So I often talk at high schools and stuff like that and do careers days for different people oh, in different schools. I didn't know that about career. you. Yeah. Yeah. I do that a lot. Cause I just think that my career has gone in very, very different ways that I never ever imagined it would. And I think it's important yeah. for kids to know that there are different paths. You can go with hairdressing, you can work on TV and film. And when I was growing up, I didn't even think about those things. I don't know if, who I thought did the hair, but I certainly didn't think it could ever <laughs> yeah. be me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think it's really important to share those things and show what an exciting career this is. Cause I really do love it. Even after 42 years. I love that so much. And I think it's something, I mean, hopefully, a lot of people in their jobs have that passion and that love but I think that it is something very unique to this industry that it consumes you like I can't wait to go like I have been off work for a bit now because of the world situation and like I am dying to go back to work and all I'm doing 
And even when I am working is I come on my phone, sit at home. I've worked all day, Instagram tutorials, how, you know, watching all this stuff. And it just doesn't seem to go away that excitement and that almost obsession. And it's nice to hear you saying that you still have that too, even after 42 years. 42 years. That's incredible. Yeah, it's amazing. And you meet so many amazing people and so many different people and people doing different things. And you learn, wow, you know, I never even knew that side of hairdressing. Do you know what I mean? I like work with a lot of people who build wigs for films, who build wigs for people with cancer. Do you know what I mean? Who build um, like TV wigs and stuff like that. And you just never even know about those things. And half the time you see something, you never even realize it's a wig. Do you know what I mean? And so to meet people that can do that and sit there for hours quietly, I know we couldn't do that because we quietly. I think maybe we could do it, but we wouldn't do it quietly. Yeah, we're talking to ourselves. But that was the one thing, you know, I I learned to wig build, but then I was like, this is not for me. And I think that that's okay because it takes at least 40 hours to sit and not a handmade wig. And I can't sit still for 40 hours or quietly for 40 hours on my own. Do you know what I mean? And I know you couldn't do that. So it's okay to learn a skill, but then know that that's not the right skill for you but it's an interesting thing to learn and then know that other people can do it really well and love doing that side of it yeah that's exactly avenues yeah exactly something that I was saying to one of my friends that I sat with Carolyn who does a lot of wigs and wefts and shoots and I was like I'm just still I feel like when you get into the industry, it's like so exciting. You can't wait to be behind the chair. Then I started going to award shows and, you know, seeing big shows like that. And that's where my eyes fell out of my head. And I'm like, I have to be on stage. This is what I'm going to do. And then I go to a photo shoot and I'm like, oh my God, this is what I'm going to do. And there's so many things. And it's like, I, it's okay to not be totally good at all of those and to, to try and be like, nah, I don't have the vision for this or there's so many things you're right and I think it's a good thing to learn that just because you've learned it doesn't mean you have to continue yeah exactly and just knowing that you know it and that you tried it do you know what I mean it's great yeah. But yeah. I mean, I started when I was 16 hairdressing and I had no idea that I'd end up where I am now. So, you know, it's an interesting journey that everyone takes a different path to get there. Did you always want to be a hairdresser? Was that no, always never. really? Never. So how did, how did that happen for you? How did you get into hairdressing? Um, well, my best friend from kindergarten always wanted to be a hairdresser and I didn't want to go on to do um, like the higher level at school without my best friend, which is really sad. And so, so shout out to Shelly if she's watching. <laughs> and um, so she went, she signed up for hairdressing school and I was like, I'll do that with Shelly then. And so I signed up and then Shelly bailed out the week before we started. And so then I couldn't tell my mom and dad that I didn't want to go anymore because Shelly wasn't going. So I was like, well, I'll just go and see what happens. And it was a two year full-time course. And it was the first time I started to do something where someone actually said, oh my God, you're actually good at this because no one had ever told me I was always average at nothing do you know what I mean I was never very good at anything that's exactly me yeah yeah and I think we all have a lot of that in common that similar yeah because until you shine in something that you love you don't know where it is yeah and so um I started doing the hairdressing it was a two-year full-time course and then I took the third year because it was a full-time college uh course and I took the third year as aesthetics and I'd done electrolysis and massage and stuff like that. And then, um, and I was good at makeup and like manicures and stuff. And then the, um, the aesthetic teacher said, I don't really think you've got the personality for aesthetics because it's a bit 
calm and it's a bit quiet for you. And so I was like, mm, she's probably right there. So then I was like, okay, well, I'll do hairdressing then. So then I'd finished my three years and I knew I wasn't good enough. To, so then I went to Jingles, which in the 80s in London, Jingles was the bomb. Like yeah. it was like the Dunes and Jingles. It was before even Tony and Guy were big then. That was the place and, to be. It was a big deal yeah. that you worked there. It was a really big deal. And they had schools, they had academy in London, San Francisco and New York. And so all our teams used to travel. And so um, I'd done an apprenticeship, I'd retrained and we were called tinters and permas in those days. So we weren't even color techs because perming was really, really big in those days in the eighties. You know, the really So bad. instead of like colorists and stylists, that's what you were? So yeah, somebody was, was doing perm perma. stuff yeah, and somebody- so anything chemical was what I did. Like, and that's what we did as colorists. We were tinters and permas. And that was our actual title on my business card. And so I'd done a... I love um, this. And I was so funny how things had changed. And so I trained under this top-notch guy called Sean. Is that you lost? Yeah. No, it's mine, people. Oh, I don't know how to so- mute the messages on my computer. <laughs> I can mute them on my phone. And then I have to be like, nobody text me for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Texting me. <laughs> yeah, you say that. Well, the final come up now. Because if I hit mute, then I mute you and I can't hear you. Oh, so okay. we'll okay. just ignore that. Hopefully nobody yeah, else talks to me. I'm not that popular. Yeah. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> So yeah, so I trained under this guy, Sean, and he was amazing. And he used to travel around and he used to teach like part-time at the academy. So one day a week we would teach at the academy. And then the other days a week, I'd just follow him around the two salons going backwards and forwards, you know, assisting him. And so it was amazing because all I did was assist him and he was just a genius. And um, I was really lucky because after a year he left and he went, he moved to the States and I was able to take on all his clientele. So I ended up doing really well, really quickly because yeah. I just took straight over from him. And so I had a great time and I worked there for a couple of years and they were really intense. And, you know, we would have to do presentations and public speaking and stuff. And it was really funny because when I first started to learn public speaking at Jingles, we had to, um, they would put us on stage and say, okay, talk about this pencil for 20 minutes. And you weren't allowed to say, um, uh, you know, and you weren't allowed to stop. And you had to talk really, really eloquently. And so oh, whenever I get- That's why you're a, such a proper woman. Oh yes, that's right, probably. <laughs> but whenever I get a microphone, I change my accent. So I was really worried today that I was gonna change it, but I haven't done it. So I get an actual microphone in my hand because when I'm on stage, I talk like this because oh. you, were, you were taught to talk perfect English. And so oh. I change my accent whenever I talk on stage. How so interesting like today, that that's something that was taught to you through a hair salon. Like it makes sense to me, but I think people like, you know, wouldn't think that at all, that that's quite high level to be taking you through all of those aspects of presenting. Yeah, because they don't want you to stand there going, oh, well, um, you know, I mixed up uh, this color and, uh, and they don't yeah. want you to do that. They want you to have eye contact and they want you to speak and there's no ums and buts. And so when you're on stage, you're really a performer. And so that was a really interesting thing that I learned from them. And, you know, apart from all the technical stuff. So we were taught to do that so that when we were traveling, we were doing like really, really top notch presenting as well as, you know, doing the actual hair. So it was a really, really amazing experience to work. I feel really, really lucky that I got to train there. That's so cool. 
yeah, so I worked there for a few years and then I moved on and I worked at Tony and Guy as a colorist. And that was great again, because you're learning, you know, you're working with the best of the best again and you're learning new techniques and stuff. And then I got a job in, um, in Hong Kong and I went to live in Hong Kong to teach at hair school. How did that happen? Did you apply for that job? Like you'd seen it posted or someone scouted you? How did that occur? No, there was a job advertisement and one of my friends went as the stylist and um, he said, they're looking for a colorist. Do you want to come? And so I went and we worked together for a year um, and we were traveling. It was a big academy. So we had kids from all over Asia and then we had full-time students as well. And then we traveled all across Asia and we taught in Japan and we done presentations in Taiwan and all these different Philippines and stuff like that. And so it was a really, really amazing experience. But you know, when you're doing shows, it sounds much more glamorous than it actually is. It is actually a lot of hard work. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you see the people on stage, you think they've just walked up there and done that. But meanwhile, they've been up there for six hours doing the prep and yeah doing everything so it was an amazing experience but it was a lot of hard Exhausting. work and how yeah. did you communicate over like did you have a translator if you were over in those countries that aren't predominantly english speaking or they could understand english and you didn't have to because that's a huge market now that we've actually been talking about with our education and saying you know it's great that we can send them to australia and canada and you know english speaking countries but there's a massive market in china and japan and all these things that really want to learn the way that we do hair because it's completely different hair and did you find that challenging that the hair types were maybe different than what you were used to fully working on in england or the language barrier or um, the language barrier is fine because the school bring in um, like two British people at the time, British people every year. And then the other people that would work with us that, that were other teachers, they would translate for us. So whenever we were doing a presentation, we'd bounce backwards and forwards, but they would stop doing their haircut or hair, their hair color to translate for me. And then when we went to like Japan and stuff, they would bring in a translator that would stand with us with the mic and hold the mic and go backwards and forwards. So How that was interesting. Yeah. That would be kind of hard when you're on a roll or something or you have this you know for us we maybe ramble yeah. a bit yeah. <laughs> like, Carol, short <laughs> sentences <laughs> Yeah, you have to learn to do do really short little quick sentences because otherwise they're like glazing over looking at and just make it up. Yeah, they'll make up for us. So yeah, that was so cool. I think the difficulty was the products are so different in those Mm. countries. And so, you know, I definitely dissolved a few people's hair with the bleach because, you know, you're not, you, you're thinking, oh, it's, it's not going to go that quick. So you leave it on and then you turn around and it's like, it's gone. And then you're like, oh, we'll change Because that they're allowed to have more intense products than we're allowed yeah. to have. And also they know their products, whereas I didn't know them. And you're yeah. thinking it's the same kind of, we leave it on for this long, whereas theirs are much stronger and different. Mm-hmm. And they have a lot more different tones as well. So that takes you a while to get used to interesting yeah Yeah. so it it was a fabulous experience and and a year was long enough for me but the guy I went with I think he stayed there he never came back oh really yeah but I came back I wanted to be home and again you know like being away from home you know it's really hard and that, that was the first time I'd ever left for a long period of time so I went back and then I ended up going back to Jingles again so I was really lucky that they were just like yep come on back and and so then I started teaching most of the time at the academy and and um yeah. And that was, again, different experience. And I think one of the big things that you always have to remember is as 
never to believe your own hype and never to believe your own ego because when you we were in asia we were like little stars because you know everyone was so happy to see us and it's really you have to really remember there's always someone better than you around the corner and um and when i came back to london i presented for jingles at the world hairdressing congress which is like the biggest thing and i froze on stage and really yeah yeah even though you had all this experience and it goes to show like even people who don't get nervous, it yeah. happens. Like it, it, it does happen. I don't get nervous really, but sometimes before these, I'm like, oh, I gotta, I gotta pee. I'm nervous peers. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Or I was teaching a class on Zoom the other day, and I'll, I was introducing myself fine, and I went to mix, and my hand was like this. And I was like, what's happening? Like, <laughs> I've that? taught this class a <laughs> hundred times. Like, yeah. does it make me nervous? So. What do you think made you froze in that moment that it was such a big audience or the, the platform that you knew it was this such a big thing versus somewhere you don't know kind of? Well, I think what happened was I spent a lot of money on my outfit. And you know, when you think, yeah, I look good in this. And then I was on, you know, the great big screens that you have like at rock concerts. And I looked at myself on the screen to see what I looked like, like I was in my bedroom looking in my mirror. And then I realized that everyone else could see me looking at myself. And so I looked like a complete idiot. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) And then I decided that I looked quite chubby. And so I decided to breathe in. And then that just made it worse because then I could see myself breathing in on the stage. So by the time they, (laughs) by the time they came to me with the mic, I'd gone to pieces and I just couldn't speak. And so I think I I was supposed to do a 20 minute intro to the team and go around talking about my color inspiration and then passing the microphone back. Like I was the main kind of MC of my team. And I was just like, I, I just couldn't speak. And my boss was just like stunned and he just took the mic and finished it. And I never spoke. And, and did you get in like, trouble? No, I think everyone just felt so bad for me because I, it was just such a big, big thing. Like everyone, every hairdressing team from all over the world were there and they were all lined up and, you know, you do like 40 minute presentation and then the next team would come on and just everyone saw me. And I don't think anyone would even remember it, but I remember it. Do you of know course, what I mean? Yeah. And that was one of the biggest presentations. It was at the Royal Albert Hall, which is like the massive, massive hall oh where they do God. like big concerts and stuff. And I was just like a like little deer in headlights. And, you know, and it was funny because my boss had told me the day before, you know, write some pointers, write some, you know, little cue cards. And I was like, as if I just came back from Hong Kong. Yes, exactly. I typed in cue cards. I just did a world tour, please. please. (laughs) Rock on. Yes. I was just like, (laughs) I was dying. I just scuttled off home and I was just like so upset. Yeah. Oh, and it would just ruin your whole vibe after that. eh? Anytime anything goes wrong like that, you can't shake it. Yeah, you think about it for months and months. And I've watched the video and you think, oh, maybe it's not as bad as you think it is. And then you watch the video and you're like, oh, no, it was oh. as bad as I thought it was. It <laughs> oh, no, you couldn't see me second in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It wasn't just me. Yeah, everyone saw me. Yeah. Oh, so again, you know, really interesting because you think at some point, oh, that wouldn't happen to me. But it does, It you know, and it, and it can happen to anybody. But it was yeah. just a bit shocking. So, yeah. So that's not why I moved to Canada, but I moved to Canada just shortly after that. To get away! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, they're like, yep, Carol, that's the end. We've done all this training with you, you know, taught you how to enunciate, and here you go, freeze. You need to abort the country. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh my God. So how did that happen? And then we're going to talk about Canada getting there and then I want to talk about how I know you. But uh, how did that happen going to Canada? And if you had already just been to Hong Kong and felt like you kind of wanted to come home and a bit maybe homesick in that way, what made you then be like, oh, I'm going to move again? Well, I think I sort of came home and I was at home for about like a year and a half, maybe two years. And then I was just like, oh, I'm going to get, I'm going to buy myself a house. I'm going to get myself settled down with a mortgage. And I thought if I do that, I'm never going to probably travel. So I thought before I get the mortgage, I'll look around, see what else is around and I'll try for another job. And then I saw the salon where I met you. I saw that advertised in the British Hairdressers Journal and they were looking for an English colour technician at the time and some stylists as well. Yeah. And so obviously because I'd worked for a couple of big names, it was easy for them to take me knowing yeah. that hopefully I know something, you know, whereas opposed if you're, if you're going for a smaller name salon, they didn't know if that salon would be good or not. So yeah, then, I guess it's different than say now, like you look on my Instagram, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like exactly. you wouldn't in kind of days, have that have at that it. time. Like, you just sent your resume and that was it kind of? Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, I presumably rung up for references. And then I decided, because obviously I didn't know anyone at all in Canada, I decided I would fly out with my friend and we came out for two weeks. And I Not spent... Shelley again. Not Shelley. <laughs> Still friends with Shelley though, so that's good since five. <laughs> <laughs> Don't book a flight with her, she won't go. <laughs> yeah. She cancels the week before. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. So, poor Shelley. So, um, yeah, so what happened was um, I came out here and I spent a week in the salon and it was really funny because, you know, the salon's in the suburbs of Toronto, but when it was advertised, it was advertised as Toronto. So I uh, came to, to Mississauga and I, and I was like, oh, these poor people, this is Toronto. This is their biggest city and this is what it is. I was like, and oh, was that still people. in square one? Like, in yeah, this, yeah, but it was the really same small location, then. right? It's not changed. Yeah. yeah, no, no. I mean, it's moved across the hall, but yeah, yeah, it was there. And so I came and, um, you know, they were doing photo shoots and we were doing like presentations and we were doing like TV commercials. And, you know, I ended up coloring the Canadian Olympic athletes. And, you know, there were so many different things that we were doing. And so I was like, wow, this is a really, really cool place to work so then um john sponsored me and i got a work visa and i came back and i planned to stay for a year and then i was going to go back and um i met my husband oh wow who is actually british anyway so um, oh yeah yeah Yeah. isn't that funny how that happens well my client fixed this up so uh so that was nice yeah so um yeah so then um we decided to stay for two more years and then John re-sponsored me which was fantastic and you know then we started to do so much more stuff like the salon was getting really really busy and we were earning great money and we had like beautiful clientele and we were traveling all over and doing shows and presentations and it was just great it was a really great time to be there and um, then my husband got transferred to Vancouver so then I was, oh. we were going to move to Vancouver and, um, and then the Canadian opera company were, um, looking, they, they took five people every year to do a training program where they would train you to do wig building and wig styling and a makeup for the theater. And I was like, mm, why don't I try that? So we said, if I got into the course, we wouldn't go to Vancouver. And if we, I didn't get in the course, we'd go to Vancouver. So yeah. anyway, I of got, of course you got in. He should have known better than to agree to that deal. What the hell did he think he was with someone who wasn't very good? <laughs> the answer <laughs> was against me. me. Carol. It does. Now it's changed. <laughs> Like, yeah, now nah, she won't get in. We're going to Vancouver. Yeah, well, off we go. He had his bags packed. <laughs> he was already on the plane. You were Shelly. 
too funny. So that came up, you, you got, um, like recommended to take that course or you had seen it advertised or how did that, did that happen through the salon? No, it was really weird. One of the girls in the salon, she applied for it and she asked me to uh, write her a reference for it. And I'd never heard of it before. So I wrote her a reference a year before and she didn't get in. And so then the following year, I was like, maybe I'll try that. But it was only part time. So again, John was amazing because we had such great, you know, clientele that were really flexible and the hours that were open were long. I used to go to school every morning and then come in in the afternoons and work till night till the, you know, close. And so it was a really great time. So I'd do like school for a year from nine till like one. And then I'd work from like two till nine every night. Oh my God. And so I was still keeping my clientele up. And at that point I'd finished training one of the assistants. And so she was able to take, which is Kelly. Oh. She was able to take a lot of my clients and yeah. it worked out great for everybody. Yeah. So it was a really, really great experience. Oh, I love this conversation because when I met you, I was like, 17 out of high school didn't know that like there was more to hairdressing right so I just thought the salon and there was these big rocks you know the rock stars of the salon there's always a few people you know and I just thought it was and it's this massive salon like it's not like it's a normal place to work and I just like never knew all this about you that you like were this you know international educator world rock star tour person you know (laughs) like it's so funny when you go in and it would be like to you you would know that you have all this knowledge and all this stuff that you've achieved and I didn't even know half it like I knew I knew you were good obviously (laughs) But like, you know, you don't realize sometimes all the things that people have done. And yeah, you have so much knowledge. The one main thing I remember of you, and how you says it, is how you mix your lightener so thick, like cement. But now I mix like so thick. And every time someone's like, Jesus, like, what, how are you going to boil with that? And I'm like, you know, I had this lady, Carol, that I used to work with. I think of it all the time because I'm like, I'm the only one here who mixes like in my salons that thick. And I think it really helps with my freehand painting because it's a completely different world and you have to mix thick. So because I was used to doing that anyway, you basically have no developer in your (laughs) powder. No wonder you got the lift. It's just straight powder on there. Straight ammonia, isn't it? (laughs) Maybe that's why you fried the hair off in, in Hong Kong. <laughs> Forgot the developer. Exactly. But yeah, it oh, works. That's too yeah, funny. The fitness does work. But yeah, it's funny how sort of like, that's the thing. Because by the time you'd come to the salon, I was a has-been. Remember, that was Kelly's favorite line for me, that I was the has-been in the salon. <laughs> but I just wouldn't have ever, yeah, known, I guess, at that time. You're right. You've, you've done so much and you're maybe trying to wean out of it a bit. And other people are coming up and that's who you see as the people going to the shows or doing the photo shoots. Meanwhile, you had all this lifetime of doing it that I didn't even know about. Yeah, yeah, it's funny because, you know, we like when I first started in the salon, you know, the colorist, like we didn't really have that much involvement in doing photo shoots because it was like you'd already done your color. And so you yeah. didn't. So that's why I started to do makeup, because then I was like, at least I have a reason to be on the set yeah. and, I, and I have a reason to be there. And then you can have more of a creative input with it. And so then I started to do a lot of photo shoots and a lot of magazine work and stuff. But it was like I was doing the makeup and the color. 
And then again, you start to really collaborate. And I think that's one of the loveliest things about being, especially in such a big seller, because we had tons and tons of house models. And I think people don't appreciate getting house models because they think, oh, I'm doing stuff for free. But really, if you have a slew of fabulous house models that will let you try anything, they're a great advertisement for you walking around because they're gorgeous girls. They're letting you try any new techniques on them. And then at the same point, if you want to do any education, you want to do a photo shoot, you want to do a fashion show, anything you want you've always got those girls to call on and yeah. I think then you start to collaborate with other creative people and you'd stay after work and someone would do a cut and think oh let's try this color and you know what about doing a shoot on that person then you find a photographer that's just as creative and you start doing things and we've done some amazing shoots and we got loads and loads of magazine spreads and stuff and then it just really makes you feel which would probably be the Instagram of you guys times yeah. now because really we couldn't showcase our work anywhere. So yeah, we'd have fair to enough. It was it only out. if it was in that in style magazine or whatever, when it got delivered yeah. to the salon in yeah, the mailbox like, oh down God. in the basement. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I remember That's when you'd find the- out. Yeah. And the British Hairdressers Journal, which, you know, obviously being slightly biased because being British, it was the be on end on. If you could get a spread in the British Hairdressers Journal, you know, I was like, oh my God, I've made it. You know, yeah. when I got these spreads and put them in my portfolio, I was just like, oh my God, this is the bond. You know what I mean? So that did happen. You did get into that magazine. Yeah. A few times. So oh. yeah, I was really, really lucky. Yeah. And I remember one time I got a cover and the fabulous, you know, Shane Henning, from Australia he wrote and sent me a congratulations card because I'd known him from Tony and Guy and so he I remember getting the front cover of the hairdresser's journal and he wrote and sent me a congratulations card I think that's when you really realize that you've met some really amazing people in your life that aren't ever threatened and that's the one thing I think Mm. sort of being older now you realize you don't have to be threatened by newer younger people coming up you can encourage them and embrace them and really you know um, be happy for their success because you don't need to be like oh my god who they think they are do you know what I mean you really yeah need to they don't know that. that I went on a rock tour in Hong Kong yeah and you don't need to tell people yeah either because it's well that's the thing I never knew yeah. any of that you're so modest like I didn't know all these big accolades that you'd had and yeah, you're yeah, always I think it's not so... important to tell people because there's always someone better that's got more than you and has got, mm. you know, like four Nahas and, you know, four this and, and do more magazine spreads and stuff. But I think it's really important. And I think that that is a one good thing about our industry. You do meet some amazing people along the way and, you know, people do celebrate your successes. Yeah. And that everybody has a different thing that they're incredible at like last night I was looking at this girl on Instagram and she does all these wild sectionings and color and I'm like oh like you can tell she's artistic and that's why she does that whereas that's not 100% what I would do and there's so many avenues that you can be good at there's so much to go around that you don't have to be exactly what we said in the beginning good at all of them you you trial and error a little bit to find what exactly your right fit is yeah and you find your niche and you find what you're good at like I mean now you know I love doing my clients I love going in I mean some of my clients been with me 25 years and you know I work one day a week and I feel really privileged that I can do that and then the rest of the time I'm mainly in the theater do you know what I mean and obviously not now so we won't be going back for a while so that I do really really miss yeah but now a lot of the people in the theater we're doing classes for each other now Ah, that's so, you know, smart. like some of them, you know, I'm, I'm doing like a BIPOC class at the weekend that someone's teaching me because I can't do braids and stuff like that. Oh. So, um, we're all getting together and we're all teaching each other different things that we're strong at. Do you know what I mean? I and I build- never ends, does it? That's one thing yeah. in this industry that the education never stops. It's never going to, as much as you have the fundamentals and you know, those things like a 
say a finger wave, a French braid, or whatever they may be, they always are evolving. And you, the stuff that is coming out now is just outrageous. Like, you yeah. know, it's just so beyond hair now. It's like sculpture. and You know, there's yeah. so many things. Yeah, and I think it's good to be open to things. But there are those things that go under wigs in the theater, like a Marie Antoinette thing. It's not all hair. It's a wire cage that's yeah. built, and it's really intricate. And so I really do a lot of those. So I'm going to teach some classes of those because that's something that I really, really enjoy. And I feel that I can share that to someone who doesn't know how to do that. So yeah. I think it's really important to kind of share your knowledge if you've got something that you are particularly good at. Yeah. You know, but again, like you were saying to your friend the other day, you have to do a lot of stuff for free and, and, you know, a lot of other people are doing stuff for free, but if you're sharing all your knowledge then it's an equal kind of balance. Yeah. And also that's something that I've just recently kind of come to terms with of being like, why would I put my education out for free? Like I need, I need to get paid. Like, what yeah. do you mean? But the point is, even if you are putting out a segment that you teach in a paid class as it's, it's getting that interaction with the person and getting them to engage with you and see your personality and see your teaching style that then they want to invest. Like yeah. I've watched 25 tutorials of the same person on Instagram or YouTube. And if they were having a class here, I'd pay for it. And yeah, it's like, exactly. why? When I've watched it on my phone, what more am I going to get? But it's that it's switching the mindset that you've got to put the stuff out for free for mm -hmm. them to believe that you're good enough for them to pay you kind of and it's yeah true. sometimes and you, and we get, got to get to our pride you. or it's happened to me your pride gets in the way a bit and you're like i'm not gonna do it you know why <laughs> what the hell am i <laughs> But we all go through those stages, you know, where you think, oh, I'm better than that. I'm better than free. But then after a while you think, you know, I mean, if someone's sharing their knowledge, why wouldn't yeah. I share mine? And then you're promoting yourself. And then, yeah, other people will come to you for different things. Yeah. yeah Speaking of the wigs, I was half expecting you to come on today with a full theatrical <laughs> wig and makeup scenario. I was like, <laughs> can I answer and be like, what is Carol going to have up for sleep today? Like, well, I thought Carol I'd is the queen <laughs> of Halloween. And obviously it makes oh sense. You work at the opera and the theater and all of this, but the best, not the best day of the year, but pretty much one of the best days of the year at the salon, besides maybe Christmas and New Year when we'd get champagne and Baileys. <laughs> that was my favorite. <laughs> Being 17, that was, those were my like, <laughs> But Halloween, you would oh. even come in on Halloween, even when you weren't working. Yeah, I love you'd Halloween. You'd come in in these ball gowns or like <laughs> what out of your hair would be rubbing on the roof on your way in like oh yeah just absolutely it. outrageous to come to the salon oh yeah I loved it I love dressing up but yeah I do I do enjoy that and that's the other thing as well then you end up using your sort of like different things like I ended up doing a lot of children's charity stuff where I dress up and do children's charity events and stuff like that so even though it's not hair I'm still using like my creative side and still yeah. enjoying myself but I mean yeah. that was the one thing that working in the theater was a really good balance for me because after I'd done all these shows and all these different things and um, I, I wanted kids and I had kids a lot later in my life. And so I didn't want to work. I wanted to be a stay at home mom. And yeah. so by working in the theater, that kind of enabled me to do that because I'd be at home with the kids all day and then my husband come home from work and then I'd go to the theater. Mm. So I still got to have a really, really good like working mom balance yeah. that worked for me. And again, not for everybody, but it was a really good balance for me. There is a lot of flexibility in this career for that. Like, you know, working part-time or working evenings or working weekends. It's one of those things that 
is a bit annoying about hairdressing. You know, you work the evenings and the weekends, but if you need that flexibility or here we do a lot of four day weeks, like a lot of people do Wednesday to Saturday or have three days off in the week. And it's just, it, they're actually as much as in the beginning, or if you don't want there to be work-life balance, there can absolutely not be. Like we used to do nine to nine. That dreaded meeting day was nine to nine. I hated that day. But I did the same as what you said, where you'd go to school in the morning. I used to go to school nine to five. I'd take the bus for an hour to get to school for nine. And then I'd get the bus from school and I'd go assist at the salon from 5.30 to 9.30. Like those are huge mm-hmm. days. But on the flip side, when you get to where you want to be, there is a lot of flexibility to work around a schedule. And I know people who do even another career. So it's kind mm-hmm. of like you say, being at the opera or yeah, and what are you sure doing at the opera like, or at the theater? theater. Yes, well, I do, theater. So I do mainly wigs and makeup. There are some real hair, but most of the time it is wigs. And so we have like an amazing hairstyling team that style the wigs in the day. And then I will come in at night and my boss will have worked with a designer and they'll draw out a chart of the makeup and then the wig. And then most of the time, like if you see a show um, and she goes to a ball, so she might start off as a date wig. So she's got like nice long beachy waves or whatever. And And how come it's a wig? Just because it's easier to just put it on than having to style her? Yeah, because they don't want to be in that much beforehand of the show starting because, you know, if you're going to have to put her in rollers and set her and do all of that, then they've got to come in a lot more, you know, time-wise. And also during the show, like if, say, for instance, the performer was going to a ball, then we wouldn't have time to put a hair up and put all the pins in. So we'll have another wig exactly the same as her hair already styled with the tiara pinned in and all the curls mm-hmm. up and everything's up. And we will literally take that wig off and put the next one on. She changes her dress and back out. She goes to sing. So sometimes Nobody thinks have, of that. Well, I don't think. Uh, maybe no maybe people thinks. do. They're like, Crystal, what the hell did you think they were doing? <laughs> no, I didn't think they were. And I didn't Yeah, why would you wig. know that? Yeah. That's so interesting. It obviously makes sense when you say it out loud, but... Yeah. And then, you know, then she might be have gone the next day she wakes up in bed. So then we've taken her the ball wig off, put another wig on that's just combed out and she's back in a nighty laying in bed. Do you know what I mean? So all those things, sometimes we only have like a minute to do a quick change where yeah. the, and it's like a dance. We have a cupboard in the back room, which I think is absolutely fascinating. So she'll come off stage and go into a dark kind of wardrobe and there's three of us in there and they'll be unlacing her dress and she leans forward I take her wig off someone else will be touching up her makeup or taking her makeup off if she's gone to bed and we're taking off the blush and stuff like that powdering her down then the girl the dresser will put the dress on change her shoes and while she's doing her shoes then I'll put the other wig on pin it all in and back out she goes and no what one really pressure that goes on. but it's amazing and it's just like a dance and we have like lights in our mouths and we just <sighs> put them on and then we can shine it wherever we need to because we're in the dark do you know what I mean and it's just like to me I was just like fascinated when I first saw my but I was like I'm never going to be able to do a quick change like that I'm going to be going the wrong way and I'm going to be doing this I'm going to be doing that and then after a while you get it and you're just like yeah and we will have a call and it will say Carol go to stage left for you know you know Mm -hmm. Miss so-and-so's quick change for the ball and you would take your wig and you'll go down and you'll do it and it's just amazing and it's just such a fun thing you know and things go wrong and you'll see your performers holding her head and you're like oh not enough pins you know what I mean 
<laughs> and you know that and that's when you realize the intricacies of working backstage because like one time one of the stage managers called me and one of the girls wig she was um, doing flamenco dancing and she had this big big comb on the back of her head you know and then they have the the sort of like the net thing that goes over and it had got caught and what happened was it was pulling her wig back so he could see it sliding and so the performer was dancing with a hand on her head and he noticed the stage manager noticed that she had a hand on her head and so he knew that she knew who I was because I'd done her hair at other times yeah. and so he got someone to call me so over the speakers it said Carol can you come to stage left and when you hear that you're like oh my god what's gone wrong and so yeah. you run to stage left and he told someone who was meant to be just walking by her in the street on the stage and said carol's at stage left waiting for you so she knew as soon as she had a minute to spare she could come off and look for me and i yeah. would pin it back in and get her back on and i just think those kind of and things. that's like improv like you know you just yeah. have to yeah and that's when you know you've got a really good team of people because he has the smarts to think she knows exactly because if he says oh julie you know and then she's like oh which one's julie and she's looking around yeah. but he knew, knew me and so those kind of things is just like Quick such thinking. a fun, exciting job, but you know, you've got a really good team and it's like anything. It's like when you're in the salon, you know that you can say to a, a, a good assistant, okay, I need that toner on that, leave it on for five minutes, pull it through the ends. You know, if you've got a good team that's trained properly, you yeah. can all work together and get the best results for your client. And it's the same in the theater. Everyone works as a team and it really is quite interesting. to. It's true. It's so important and it takes a village and that's something that is very repetitive in all the conversations that I've been having, whether it's a photo shoot, you're shooting for a collection or just working in the salon. Like I, you, I couldn't function without apprentices, you know, like I, mm -hmm. I could do half my revenue without an apprentice because you have to trust them. And even now I'm sure you see that how the color has evolved and it's so complicated. The toners now, and there's a root and a mid mm. and a face line and none on the ends and lightening the ends at the basin and all this stuff that as an myself, as an apprentice, it was just like, you know, put it on the roots, leave it five, pull it through the ends. Like, yeah, it's really changed. It's changed a lot, but it's also you exactly that you can't have an apprentice that is incapable because the toning is the most important part half the time, you know, yeah, like exactly, and yeah. it, you can't, you can't operate without a team, no matter what you're doing. And it goes to show that, yeah, it's so important who you're working with and beside. And yeah. And also like if your color's not blow dried nicely, yeah. you know, that can be a make or break thing because, you know, if you've got a beautiful blow dry on that color, that hair looks as healthy as hell, you know, whereas maybe it wasn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's question of the team putting everything together and I, think I think we've discovered that you have a breaking hair problem Carol. <laughs> yeah, maybe i'm losing my clients hair on this <laughs> step is not a good blow jar look at what my color looks like and they're all like terrible. <laughs> it's you oh yeah the common denominator here is me <laughs> Yeah, but, um, yeah, yeah, like a really good team, I think, in any aspect of hair, like whether it's a fashion show, because you know, like when you're doing fashion shows, like I did a lot of wigs and I worked with a lot of designers and stuff. And again, it's all about prep, it's all about getting everyone ready, getting the team, making sure you've got the right equipment, everything. And then, you know, working with photographers, making sure that they can see the right thing. Um, I've done a few movies, um, I've done mainly makeup on movies, but 
um, even then, you know, if you're a photographer, you get to know him and the director of photography and you know the lighting and stuff. Like I worked on um, colouring hair for a TV series and that was a really interesting thing because this guy had to basically be like a cartoon character. Oh. And so it was way before we knew how to do the real silvery things. And, um, and I remember I rung up Weller and I said, I need it to look like a fake silver. How am I going to do it? And they said, you get the colour charm and you put two drops of a droplet of black in with, with a silver toner. And again, you know, like now we could just easily make up a silver toner, but a really fake one, we didn't know how to do it. And um, I remember I had to work with a director of photography because if the guy was being filmed, his hair was short, but it had like a long top. So it was being bleached every like 11 days. And so uh -huh. it was tough, you know, you were doing it with a Q-tip. And so what we tried to do was the hairdresser on set, what she did with me was she'd be like, today we have close-ups, but next week we don't. So we would work out with the photographers which days we had close-ups so that we would do the hairline. Yeah. and not maybe do it all the way through so that we didn't damage his hair, damage his hair as much. And <laughs> this is before Olaplex. It was way before Olaplex. And, <laughs> you and know, so Olaplex makes in that an 11-day <laughs> scalp light, a good grief. Oh, yeah. Was this but before again, you did your wig making? Like, would you say now, would you use a, used a wig for that? Or um, probably not for the close-ups, but again, that's what we ended up doing. We ended up doing like a really small piece that yeah. if he was away in the distance and he was on like long shot things, we would use a little wig for him. But again, you have to know the girl that's working on the day on the hair. Like, so, she, so my friend who got me the job, she was um, like the head of hair, like the key of hair on that particular TV series. And so she was able to work with me and the photographer and we'd work out long scenes, short scenes, and then we'd work together. So those kind of things, again, it's all teamwork, but it's different. Yeah. And again, until you do it, you don't even think about that because you think, oh, I'll just color his hair and then he'll be done. Yeah. You know I mean? but it's so much of who you know, that's like a common thing that keeps being said from you too. Like, oh, my friend was here or my friend came with, you know, and it, it's who you know half the time. That's how you get into a, a salon or into a shoot or somebody asks you to come along with them to something. Like I've had the most incredible opportunities over here through people that I knew and even people from home, like you introducing me to people <laughs> that have burnt a few bridges. <laughs> you know like it's just it's true you create these connections with people and you want to see them grow and flourish and it's an industry that is quite nurturing in that way it can be hard too but quite nurturing in that way and having people like you who just want to help bring up you know the next ones is just that's what it's all about yeah. And I think also if you've got a nice personality, people are willing to give you a shot, even if they think, yeah. oh, she's not the best or she doesn't know enough. Yeah. But you know what? She'd be great and easy to work with. So, you know what? I'd rather take her than that girl who's like 10 times more experienced, but is not as much fun and not as lively yeah. and won't make such a great atmosphere on set. So I think all those things do make a difference. Yeah. Having a good personality has worked in our That's favor, right. hasn't it? It has indeed. I mean, it does get you a long way. It really does. Yeah. And I always used to say that to you didn't I yeah 100 percent. yeah it's true so it true. really does make a difference yeah and now you said that you're speaking at um like schools and stuff or what are you doing how did you get into doing that is that just feeds your soul doing that or how 
Is that yeah, I think so. It started off like, you know, with my kids' school because um, where I live, I live in a very nice, like very artsy area and there's like film people and photographers. And there's some really interesting people. And what we were saying was in the schools, you know, careers day is always like people, you know, you know what an accountant does, you know what a lawyer does and they're all fantastic jobs, but people don't know what a stage manager does. They don't know how a musician makes a living. They don't know how, yeah. you know, hair and makeup people do for film, for magazines. They don't know how to get in into it and so I think that if if I'd have known about theatre hair much earlier I think I would have probably gone into it much sooner because I tried working on film and film again is a fantastic job but it's just not for me because you're sitting around for so long and you know I me and you we can't sit down and be quiet for that long so do you know what I mean like film sounds very glamorous and is a really exciting career but once I'd done it I knew it wasn't for me because I couldn't sit around for 10 hours I'd be like nodding off do you know what I yeah, mean totally. there's only so much knitting and crocheting crosswords you can do and some <laughs> people just love that and yeah, you know they get that stretches. solo time they get to do what they love but they get to be alone whereas for you and I it's the human interaction and the social aspect that half the time is better than anything else yeah, exactly. Like I love chatting to my clients and seeing what they're up to and stuff like that. So, you know, when I was talking to the people, like it was like, you know, I was going to these schools and I'd done a couple of careers days with all these artistic people. And we were like, let's do arts careers days. So that's what we did. We bought filmmakers in and we bought like makeup artists in and hairdressers. And we bought like people from makeup companies that do runway shows and film people and dancers and singers. And the kids just were like, wow, who knew what a stage manager was? Yeah. I didn't know what it was because you can be good at computers, but you don't want to in an office yeah. right but you can do the lighting and you can run the rigging on a computer in a theater and so we started to do all these careers days and the kids were loving it and then different schools have now asked certain people of us to come to their school and do these talks and share and say you know like someone might be artistic they might not be very academic but they can still have the most amazing career that definitely yeah. is not looked down upon yeah. but it's certainly something that's not taught in schools you know you can go off and become a hairdresser for a theater or you can go often do shows and travel around the world and, yeah. and i mean you look at some of these instagrammers some of these hairdressers are so famous and do so many things it's just incredible yeah. but if you don't know about it you don't know so exactly. that's why i started to do the careers day and then when you see the kids faces and you get the wigs out and they're big and i've done all these <laughs> big cages and all this wiring they're like you did that and you're like yeah you know and it just makes you feel good and if you could encourage some kid to do something outside the box that they didn't know was there i just think it's an amazing thing so I love doing the careers days that is so cool that like makes my eyes a little watery like it <laughs> is so beautiful like that it it's something that really hurts me that I think hairdressers have this stigma that oh you're a hairdresser or like you know uh, my granny always used to be like but what are you gonna do after this or like when are you gonna get a real job and it's like I I hope that it's changing and I think that it's I changing it but it is this thing that the money, like, you know, I, I make a hundred dollars an hour so, like, sometimes yeah. at least minimum, like you, the, a doc, that's what doctors, you know, that was something yeah. that when I thought about going into hairdressing, I only kind of envisioned the small salon in the shopping center. And, you know, our salon was a proof of that. That's not kind of, you know, we, we still worked in the mall, but it was a whole thing. But I mm. only thought of it as say like a first choice hair cutters or something like that. And then I started going to this girl who did hair from home with my mom. And when I did the math of what my mom and I were paying her and how long we were there, I was like, 
she's making a hundred dollars an hour right now. And she's at home with her kids on the couch, doing our hair, doing what she loves in her own home. She's got dinner cooking upstairs and she's making a hundred bucks an hour. She picks her hours. She picks her days off. And that's the moment that I was like, I always wanted to be a hairdresser, but I didn't think it was profitable or I'd have this kind of stigma on it. And as soon as I saw her, I was like, this, I could do this, you know? Mm -hmm. And then obviously got the job at this massive salon and that was incredible. And that opened my eyes to the whole, the whole world of it. But I think what you're doing is so, so important and really necessary and just really. Yeah. And I think showing people that you are proud and you're happy and you're not uncomfortable with saying, you know, because it used to be like years and years ago, even before I started doing hairdressing, it was always like, oh, you're just a hairdresser. Whereas then when I got into it, I was working, you know, at the top company in London. I was like, yeah, I'm a hairdresser and I'm really proud to be a hairdresser. And I remember working with this amazing, amazing woman. And um, and years later, I ended up doing um, shows with her in New York um, because she moved to LA and then they used to fly me in from New from Toronto to New York to do the IBS and I represented a product company for her and um, but she used to work with me at Jingles years ago and I remember she was just like I love doing hair and I was like she's so proud of that and I'm like why aren't we all so proud of it because we should be it's such a creative fun job that you get to meet millions of people and you come across people of all different walks of life and you can hold your own conversation with all of them Mm -hmm. and you're doing something that you love and I always thought god that is such an amazing thing that she can stand there and say I love doing hair and I was like I'm gonna be like that and you know I was inspired by her and she did go on to become an amazing hairdresser but yeah yeah, it was just we years later we went we worked for a product company called image and she used to be the platform person and it was obviously easier for them to bring me in to do the color but again uh, the american shows were very different to the british shows and i remember i i sort of got on stage and i was just kind of doing my nice little eloquent talking and they were all like and i was like oh my god and i was like freaking out i was like yeah rock on man and then by the end of the weekend i was like yeah and i was just this is more my element i don't have to enunciate anything (laughs) so yeah it was really funny but again you know you come around and all these people and now you know a lot of the people i've worked at jingles like one of them's got a salon in new york one of them does hair for um like uh movie sets and stuff like that so it's kind of interesting to sort of see them all and see where we've all come and we've all gone to different avenues of it and you know everyone's happy in different things yeah and it's great to see that you can do hair in different things you know yeah i just think that that's so so important in the careers day did you find when you like is it say when they bring you in for the careers day is it like you have like a company kind of and it's like you the makeup artist thing and you're under like a a brand or something and you're pitching to the schools or once you did it they started coming to you or did you find that there was a bit of like oh i don't know if we want you to come in and talk about that like well, the first school we done was my kids' school, and we'd done it as a group, and there was okay. tons of us. And we sort of had the kids. Um, it was interesting because we had them sort of pick. They had to pick four careers, and then they moved around the classrooms. And so they would put, like, they put me with um, a jazz musician. 
and um and so we went in together and then another time they put me with a filmmaker so they were trying to sort of like put different people in and the kids would ask different questions and stuff like that and so um and then the other schools have just come and asked me on my own so a lot of the schools now I just go in and do like a hair pitch and just say you know this is who I am and I bring wigs and I let the kids try the wigs on and who doesn't want to try a wig on do you know what I mean and some of them get like freaked out because they think it's from dead people do you know what I mean they don't understand the hair and so they're like freaked out but I mean there's really like you know and it's great because you can tell really funny stories like one one of my friends does a lot of big films and she had to make these beards and they had to be like a real sort of gingery you know like orange uh, beard and she didn't have the hair so I actually had these big wafts of hair that she sent me and I had to roll them up into little tiny tiny rollers and perm them so they looked like beard hair and then color them and then send them back and then someone else knotted them and made these amazing beards so again like a really funny thing that the kids are like oh you did that because it's such an odd thing that no one would know you're doing do you know what yeah. I mean so those kind of things are just like really funny yeah because I again, saw this post the other day about it I must be coming up because my you know when your phone hears you and then you get all these ads and I'm yeah. like how the hell did it know that I was talking about toothpaste <laughs> or god knows what else yeah yes and something came up and it was this girl saying that she had done one of those aptitude tests or something in her careers class at school and nothing about hairdressing came up at all. Like I think someone in her family was a hairdresser so that she had that path and there was no option for, there's no education. There's no anything. It's not even spoken about as a career. It's like, Oh no, you don't want to do that. Like, and what you're doing is so important to spread that awareness. And that's what I wanted these conversations to be about was for people in the industry who say myself or I'm like, Oh, I really want to be on stage or I want to do this, but I'm not quite sure how, like how did the person who I'm kind of idolizing get there? That's mm-hmm. what I wanted from this. But also for people who are maybe just getting in as an apprentice or thinking about hairdressing the younger generations to have this and have these moments of, Oh my God, I want to be Carol. Like, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> Lots of people probably want to be true. <laughs> 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 so, breaking people's hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not gonna have any more clients. <laughs> Sorry. I'll only broadcast this in Australia if you want. <laughs> so even that, like look at me. I'm in Australia now. You're in Canada from England. Like you can move and travel the world and have this flourishing career anywhere you want. And I think that's been the very challenging thing for me through the time of this 2020 is something I've always prided about my career, taken pride in, sorry, prided in my career, whatever. I haven't been talking to people very much. Okay? My you need to skills. do the eloquent class. <laughs> Don't tell jingles. always taken pride in is that I could move and even when I was backpacking I have my scissors in my bag yeah one time that actually got me in trouble my dang scissors got taken from me because I was backpacking and I had to get on the plane and they're like you can't have them in your bag and I was like (laughs) so scissors. (laughs) anyway I never got them back they're still oh wow but it's something that you're able to travel and always be able to make money for yourself and Mm -hmm. in this situation it's been very confronting in that's something I've always been able to do. And it's taken away from me. I can't go to work. I can't work from home. I'm not allowed to have anybody in my house. Like 
things yeah. like that have been quite challenging. And that's where the next hurdle of getting into online education and starting to do that and making a platform or I've made this podcast. I'm like, what can I do from my house that I can still be doing what I love talking to the people that I am inspired by or interested in. And that's how it all happened. But it is the most amazing career for that aspect that you can. Yeah. And you meet amazing travel. people along the way. Like you do, you meet amazing people. Yeah. And there's a lot of people who will lift you up. I mean, there's a lot of people who won't, but yeah, there's also a lot of people who will lift you up and you have to be grateful. And sometimes I think that we're not always in a positive, like, you know, like when we were saying, oh yeah, we have to go to the staff meetings. But when you look at how much education we got and how much stuff we learned from those things, oh and there's so God, many yeah. salons that aren't offering that yeah. and aren't giving you those opportunities. And it's like, I think sometimes at the time you're not grateful enough for them. Totally, because I didn't know any there. different. Like I started there and that's what it was. We had education all the time. And I, you know, I was so fortunate. I got asked to do everything, like mm -hmm. anything that there was an opportunity somehow it was my name that got put forward because you and that grabbed it and that was the same with me if someone said does anyone want to come i'd be like yeah i'm coming i'm coming yeah. and i think that that's how you get on because you assist people you're always there so you're always watching you're always learning and you're always finding out and that's how these people break into these other aspects totally of that's exactly what happened for me and yeah you're so right how long do you think you're gonna keep going carol always like forever like what's the what's the yeah. next plan for you I mean, I'd like to do the opera forever, like as long yeah. as they'll have me. But again, I think that's kind of things are changing because, you know, we're very specific. And as I say, we're in a very, very small room with people and there's three or four of us. So I think those quick changes, those kind of things will have to be revised and, you know, things will be changing. But hopefully if things and when things get back to normal, yeah, I mean, I can't imagine not working I love doing hair and you know like Monday I was in the salon and you know I had like four really great clients and they all love their hair and I changed all their hair and I came away and you just feel so good about yourself and you're like oh my god I made people happy and I had a chat and I really enjoyed myself and I'm like wow but then there's days when they go oh I don't know and then you're like oh and people don't realize how much that does affect you. Like you go away thinking, oh my God, should I have done that? Should I have put an extra couple? Should I have not put that toner on? Do you know what I mean? And I don't think people realize how much it affects you. But I think as you get older also as well, you're not so defensive. If someone comes back for the dreaded redo, you're like, yeah, okay, what's the problem? Because there's no point saying, well, you said this and you asked yeah. me for this and that's what I gave you because that gets you nowhere. That yeah. gets a client mad at you and you've lost that client forever. Yeah. yeah, she might have asked you for the wrong thing, but you know what I mean? I think with the experience, you realize, you know what? We didn't get it right. Let's try again. What are we going for? And to readjust yourself. But it does really, really affect you, which I 100%. think a lot of jobs where people don't care enough, it doesn't affect them. And they, even oh, in I, this job, there's yeah. people who don't care yeah. enough. And that I could do the same scalp lightener as them and mine had this little teensy bed. This happened to me recently as well. It's still in my head. I'm still yeah, not yeah. sleeping. My friend Jess at the salon will be like, would you shut the hell up about the pink scalp lightener? <laughs> in six months, Crystal. Shut yeah, up. Move on. Move on. But it does, it, you do have to let it go. And that's the really hard thing with color is that a lot of times it's not your fault and sometimes it just won't do it in one session and that's what you teach and you know all those things but it is something that genuinely because you're you have people's self-esteem in your hands and you're there to make them feel good that's what we love about the job and what we want 
what most of us like doing is that we're making people feel good. And when you don't do that, it really crushes you. And it, you take it personal. I don't take it personal so much as I effed it up or, you know, I'm, I'm always happy to fix, but you take it personal that one, they maybe had to stay two hours more or something, or it took an extra half an hour to retone and you do feel really guilty about it, but that's part of it too. And that's how you learn. That's it. And if you can please like 95% of them, then yeah. you've done a good job. But, and it shows that you care if you are upset where you think, Oh, I should have put a couple more lighter ones around the face or, you know, there's things like that, that kind of shows that you do care. So until I stop caring, I'll keep going. But yeah, like 42 years, it's kind oh of something, God, but it's interesting because it. Shelly and Jill, who are both my friends from kindergarten are both still hairdressers too. So Shelly did end up doing hairdressing. She did end up doing hairdressing. She did an apprenticeship, but she didn't do the hairdressing school. But uh-huh. Jill and I, school, yeah, and we're still good on you, Shelly. Yeah, good girl, Shelly. Yeah, I'm <laughs> forgive Shelly. <laughs> She's gonna be watching. She's gonna be like, what the hell are you two on about? <laughs> Shelly, Shelly. <laughs> Oh, that's too again, much. Like, really funny. Like three of us that all went to kindergarten together, also hairdressers. So, so it shows, you know, and how beautiful right that industry. you still have your friends from kindergarten. I'm the exact same. I've yeah. had my two best friends since kindergarten, pretty much. And yeah, it's that connection and everything that's so important. And that's what we love about the industry, I think, too. Yeah, and I think like my other, my best friend, like a guy called Mike, again, I met him at Tony and Guy, and he's still one of my best friends now. And Tony and Guy must have been like 30 years ago, probably that's 35 crazy. years ago. Yeah. Cause I and look at us, like I've moved and, you know, we, you are like my biggest cheerleader on Instagram, you know, like yes. liking my everything I'm doing and always supporting me. And it's so it means so much to people like, you know, I came in at 17 and you were teaching, you know, teaching us and to have you being proud of what I'm doing is it does. It makes you feel so good. And you are just such a delight to work with. And I couldn't wait to talk to you. Like there's no, but everybody loves Carol. Like you just, you know, everybody loves Saturday because Carol's working or Monday, whatever day you're working now, but you know, you just, you're that light and you really bring that good energy. So, oh, thank you. Love it. But if I worked five days, maybe you wouldn't have liked me so much. <laughs> Fair enough. We'll keep it to one conversation a year now, okay? Perfect. <laughs> Anything that you want while we close off and finish off? I think you've no, covered great. everything yeah. that I had down written for you pretty much. And in my, my lack of prep, you know, I was like, <laughs> some people really like you to send the questions ahead of time because they like to prepare their answers or something. And I'm like, oh, shit, I don't have any questions. <laughs> but I just I like to have it just be natural and the people I'm talking to have so much to share that I just want you to to have have the opportunity to say everything that you want yeah no it was lovely talking to you and I'm glad to see you are doing so well and hopefully you'll be back at work soon so how many more weeks have you got six October 26 so what's today September I don't even know who knows yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing that's a little bit challenging with even the podcast is you record them and say I film like five in a week kind of because I've got the time it's a bit anticlimactic because it doesn't come out for like four more weeks I'm like I need to stop talking about certain things because I'm gonna be putting this out at Christmas <laughs> it's gonna be a bloody Christmas <laughs> special and I'm still talking about you know like you just it's funny that way I could but... have been the Halloween special <laughs> We can read. We can do another. Yeah, okay, we'll do a Halloween one. 
<laughs> All right, Carol. Well, well I'm going to hit the record button to go off. But thank you so, so much to oh, making you. the time for me. I know the time difference can be a bit challenging. I don't know if you're falling asleep yet. or <laughs> No, I can still, I can stay up past half past nine. You're all right. <laughs> all right. Well, that was incredible and so much knowledge. So thank you so much, Carol. You're welcome, Hannah. I'll speak to you soon. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. Don't forget to follow, like, and subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube to get all the notifications of our weekly episodes.